Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up today. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season and get started to rotoballing like a boss. Back everybody to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 123. Going to recap your week in fab as always and answer your awesome listener questions. You can find myself on Twitter at BDentric and the Bat Flip portion of the podcast on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby G, how we doing, man? Wow, that was fun. Yeah. Um, I'm good. I'm good. It's been an interesting day. I um, I got I had snack shack duties today uh, for Little League Baseball, which was fun. Uh, I, I'm amazed at how like the snack shack, at least where I'm at now, uh, does not resemble the snack shack of old because the amount, the number of candy options and the amount of food that they have available is just staggering. Like we have, we have ices, really? like Slurpees, wow. like in, That's in our snack shack, which is just which, which is crazy. I made a bunch it's of nuts slur- slurpees for people. And um, yeah, and I just have to say, Bubba, I'm going to go, I'm going to say something, I'm going to say some very controversial words because I think within the fantasy baseball community and I think baseball community in general, you know, there's a certain level of respect and um, I don't know what the right word is like, I think is veneration a word? Veneration? It's out of my pay grade if it is. <laughs> veneration. Let me just look it up, make sure I'm using the right veneration definition. Definition. Okay. Great respect or reverence. Okay. Yeah. Reverent. Reverate. Uh, veneration. Nailed it. There's a great rev- veneration for little league baseball. 
But I have to tell you, Bubba, having sat through an ungodly number of games already this year with still a month to go, small person, Little League Baseball, my son is eight, is the absolute 100% worst. Is this their first year without Coach Pitch? Oh, it's the first yes, year without Coach Pitch, unless okay. they yep. throw four balls. Then I mean, literally, yeah. like, the game is, like, just <laughs> – it's just challenging. I mean, oh, you I lose at least two to three kids for hit by pitches every single game. <laughs> like, there's tons of blood. There's, like, lost teeth. There's blood and lost teeth. I love it. It's it's there, war out there. It is. It's unbelievable. It's a Thunderdome on the diamond. And then, like, you just – you know, and then like, there's just everything so wrong about it. Like the kids are standing up there and then the kids are throwing and like, they're looping it up there and the ball goes like over the kid's head, but lands in the catcher's glove. And it's a strike. We're trying to kid, take, we're trying to limit these, these kids. O swing, but I don't even know where the strike zone is. You know, they don't even have umpires behind the plate. They're behind the mound. Oh yeah. I mean, the kids in the field are just like sitting around, like waiting for hours for a ball to be hit, let alone like to come in their direction. Like literally the things I've seen, like I've seen my son dabbing on the field as if, instead of paying attention, I've seen him reading the scoreboard instead of doing it, throwing his glove up and down in the air, like mid pitch playing with his gum. Like all these kids are just like, I just want something to do. That's fun and entertaining in the midst of all this baseball that's happening. I mean, it's, I love it. It's so boring and painful. It is unbelievable. I mean, it's the worst. Like if, if go ahead, if, if I can give you any optimism, cause yes, this is, you're at the tough stage. Cause when it was like T-ball or at least the coach pitch, like there was some consistency kind of a little bit, now that the kids are trying, it just turns into like, yeah, chaos. Um, nine and 10 year olds gets better. And then obviously 11, 12 is really good. Cause I like the league world series stuff. Uh, town to town's different, obviously talent level. But I, I remember when you get to nine and 10 and there's a reason why all-stars there's like a nine and 10 year old all-star and 11 and 12, there's no eight year old all-stars. There's not. So uh, you are, at, you're at the really difficult one that good thing. The season's almost over and, and, your son likes to play baseball, it sounds like. So that's good, too. That's the bad part, Bubba. Oh, he doesn't even like to play? He doesn't even really like to oh, play baseball. Then, then, yeah, you need to go. He's, you need to call the it other, a day. The other day, the other day, he's like he's like playing like in the dugout with his friends or like trying to have a good time or whatever. And the coaches are like, you know, do you know, don't, you know, whatever, pay attention or or whatever. And he he comes over to me and he goes, Dad, baseball's like school. And the coaches are the teachers. And I was like, oh man, this is not. So anyways, he's, he's not digging it, which kind of, you know, which kind of sucks, but um, man, is it the most boring thing? And you can judge me as a parent and all that stuff. Like, yeah, it's great to see my kid out there. Da 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 da. But Oh my goodness. It's, it's uh, rough it, out there. So. It's funny you say that. Cause it's, it's a, it's a tough watch. Was it an hour and a half hour 15 an hour and a half? Yeah. yeah they play it for an hour and a half. I think it, it gets better. If he keeps playing, if not, Hey, go find what you love to do. 
but if he keeps playing it, it will at least get more entertaining for you. He might not enjoy it, but you'll have something to at least watch because they'll play at least four to five innings of quasi-competitive. Like sometimes a shortstop can actually feel the ball and throw it. Like there's some things that start to happen. So you're close. Totally. But, like I told you before the show, I got to in college myself and a roommate, we coached a nine to ten year old little league team. And when the season started, I felt like bad news bears. Like we had like two good players and the rest was just like, oh no. But the kids had fun. They loved us. Like they were, we made it fun for them. And by the end, we played pretty well. So it's, it depends on how it goes. But uh, it, it's different. And uh, it's changed a lot since when we were kids to then when I coached, it changed a ton in that span. And then to what it is now with all the other sports, like soccer is so big now. Like I think that's another thing. Like when we played, baseball was the game. So it was more flooded with talent. Where now it's like, Okay, kids, like soccer's doing Sunday things, you go play baseball on the weekday. Like it's stuff like that where I think you get some of that as well. So Yeah, I mean basketball is a lot of fun for the yeah. kids. Oh, yeah, I mean, just running run, up run, and run. running up and down. Yeah, that's yeah. that's my type of game for these little people. So I'll anyways, forget. I'll never forget. Sorry, we'll talk baseball here, but this is fun. I'll never forget again when I was in college. I uh I refereed YMCA little kid basketball on Saturdays. Yeah, there were certain days where you just like, okay, travel, whatever you guys want, guys. Like, this is, it's, it's not going to matter. Just like, just don't elbow each other in the face. Like, it's going to have fun. Oh, man. <laughs> it's the, the, du- yeah. the double dribble is the best move in like, oh, yeah. Little kind of dribble it over my head, pick it up, and do it again. <laughs> just stop, yep. dribble, stop, yep. dribble, stop, <laughs> dribble. Yeah. 100%. It's so entertaining. But all right. We're here to talk some fancy baseball, but that's the fun part about this show. We like to go down to the wormholes and do some fun stuff. So, uh, Little League Baseball, everybody. The fun is just beginning. Let's just put it that way. Wait till Toby might have two kids doing things at the same time. Then the fun really begins. It'll never happen. Okay. <laughs> but let's talk uh, Fab, because one thing we never thought we would see, and we're again, for those that keep track at home, we're using the online championship on NFBC, so 12-team leagues. Week 5 Fab uh, player movement. Trying, we're going to talk about the top X amount of players and the rates and how we kind of uh, looked at these players. But the most added player this past week in 138 leagues for as high as 111, as low as one. The one, the 111 is a bit startling, but added almost everywhere. Sheldon Noisy of the Oakland Athletics, who has been swinging it pretty well since the 18th, but about two weeks, hitting 333. You know, only three extra base hits with three stolen bases, playing every day, hitting second uh, for the Oakland A's. He's going to have some multi position eligibility potentially soon because he plays a lot of third, but sprinkles in second and first. I have my thoughts, but I liked how when Toby saw it earlier, he was like, Sheldon Noisy, really? So I want to hear Toby's thoughts first. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see why people would have gone after him. Um, I think, number one, the A's, they only have six games this week. I think they have next nine. Week. Nine next week. Nine next week. Nine. I think you were the one who tweeted that out, and I yeah. saw that. So I could see people trying to get ahead of the curve. I mean, let's just look at Sheldon Noisy. I mean, I think the thing is, this is like quintessential, just had the best week of my career you know, and people are going out on the wire to grab him. So he's got a 7.6% walk rate, 26.6% K rate, you know, so there's, so he's striking out more than your typical batter. He's got a 310 average, which is buoyed by a 417 BABIP. He's got a 60% ground ball rate. That's right, 60% ground ball rate. <laughs> he's like Framber Valdez, uh, the equivalent as a pitcher. You know, 33.7 O-swing, 73.5% contact, so below league average in both categories. 28% hard hit rate. He does have three barrels at 6%, max EV of 108. Um, 
So I mean, again, like he's playing every day, so he's valuable in 15 teamers. It's just so ugly out there. He's got the second and the third base eligibility, so that's beneficial as well. But I just don't see it. I see think he's a guy where you know if you're good, if you're putting in bids for him, you know, great. But like it's just a situation where you probably just had the best week of his season, mm-hmm. and you know now you're going to be left with whatever else he does. Although he probably got hits off of Ryan Yarbrough today because I started <laughs> Ryan he, Yarbrough in the important league. But uh, who didn't I is a really yeah. good question. Can we do a segment called? Who, who didn't did. get a hit off of Ryan Yarborough today? In the dead ball era, who didn't score? On, they got five runs off of Ryan Yarborough. Um, How do you do that against the A's? But I agree with pretty much everything you said. Like, I think he's a good player for like 15s where he'll have his moments for 12, like streamability. I don't think he's an all-the-time player. But I've been writing them up lately because I do like weekly recaps with like guys on the rise. And, when, and we look at his numbers, he's been on the rise. But you mentioned the BABIP is legit. Like, you got to pay attention to that. He's never been the best batting average guy in the minors, but what he has been in the minors was a power bat, especially during the, the juice ball era. But I think people are hoping that returns. We haven't seen that kind of quality of contact yet this year. But the fact he's playing every day, he's hitting second every day. The A's are horrible, but they're going to run him out there. And the biggest thing, as you mentioned it, is that nine games next week, I think people maybe try to get ahead of the curve a little bit. That's just my only guess. Could be wrong. I still understand $111, but I, I get the bid knowing playing time there's lots of injuries popping up now like roll with the high like especially in 12s where you're doing a lot of the up and down streaming stuff like where it's much different than a 15 right and why he's hot if he goes you know two for 22 this week drop him again or whatever but after the nine game week drop him but um you you can do that more so in a a 12 easily than a 15 so i I can see the appeal with noisy in that uh, situation but here's the guy i'm excited to talk about because one toby g was a big house on Kim fan in DCs and in the preseason draft time. He was all about Kim and his positional flexibility and all the goodies he's got going there. And when you look back at Kim, uh, he's starting to really heat up over the last couple of weeks and uh, CJ Abrams is out of the way now. So it's, it's Kim's role and he's playing pretty much primarily shortstop against from the third base. So that flexibility will continue for, for Kim probably into the next year. And the production's there. So, Toby, the floor is yours. This is one of the guys you were really high on in some leagues. I'm pretty sure you loved plugging him into your lineups. I wish I had him in more leagues, Bubba. I, I actually drafted him in a couple of my bigger leagues, and I dropped him. Ooh. Yeah, it I happens. mean, he was it only happens. playing against lefties. Yeah. It was painful. Um, don't listen to anything I say from now on. <laughs> I mean, Hassan Kim though, I mean, I got him in an OC. Um, I picked him up in an OC $11 uncontested this weekend. Um, I tried to get him. I had him available in one main and I got, I got beat out, um, on him, but I mean, he's kind of the exact opposite of noisy in a lot of ways because he's better than league average across the board in a lot of different things. Um, so 10, 10.2% walk rate, 20.3% K rate. So both of those marks are better than league average. He's got a 270 BABIP. So nothing's kind of BABIP inflated, very low ground ball rate at 27.5%. So he's hitting the ball in the air. Um, he, uh, has a 28.2% O swing. So better than league average overall contact rate at 82.7%, well above league average again. So the underlying skills are supportive. The, the quality of contact hasn't been great. 27.5% fan graphs, um, hard hit. He's hitting a lot of fly balls, a lot of infield fly balls. I expect that number will go down a little bit, you know, as we get a larger sample of um, batted balls. But 
you know, he's got six barrels for a 15% barrel rate. You know, the max EV is at 108.5, but his, his max EV last year was 112.3. So we know he can hit it hard. He's been a little, so it's just, he, he can kind of do everything. And then he's got the speed element to him as well. You know, he only has one steal right now, but if you look at his bad X projection for the rest of the season, you know, 353 plate appearances, 10 home runs, seven steals, you know, the one thing, the one thing that kept me from having huge bids on him was, and maybe this is thing maybe this is galaxy braining it a little bit too much, but it's just that Tatis Jr. is not too far away, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how far away he is, but when he comes back, will there still be that everyday spot in the lineup for him? It's just um except against lefties, right? Like we're talking everyday plate appearances. Yeah. But I just love, like, I mean, you literally, you, you have like a 2015 guy who can potentially do that, who is on the wire and a number of 15 teamers in addition to 12 teamers. So I, I like Hassan Kim, Kim a lot. You know, he's a guy who maybe this year he's kind of medium good, but like maybe next year he could be super good, still young, making those adjustments, seems to be improving. You know, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. Yeah, I like it. Like, um, I guess my biggest concern coming into the season was playing time. And now that that's good to go, I, I grabbed him where I could in most 12s. I didn't get him everywhere because people were higher on him than I was. But I definitely had bids in pretty much everywhere he was available in 12s. And I got a few. Like, when we recap later, we'll talk about which ones I got him because I can't remember anymore. But, um, yeah, he's uh, I'm very intrigued with the playing time. And like you said, the quality is there. He's hitting sixth the last couple of days, which is really nice because that offense is – not the best outside of Manny Machado right now. There's a lot of holes in that offense. So the, the beautiful thing in that regard is if he keeps hitting, he might move up even more, and that makes it even more intriguing. Like, six is cool. Six is really cool. But imagine if he gets, like, second in front of Machado. He can run and score some bags. Mm-hmm. Like, that'd be pretty sweet. So you never know. If he keeps producing, they're going to want to move him around because the Padres, I don't think they're ready to keep losing the way they've, you know, tried to build that team the last couple of years. So pretty interesting stuff there. All right. Ryan Helsley of the – St. Louis Cardinals. He um, had a big weekend, big two uh, inning save on Sunday, lighting the world on fire. Gallegos got the save on Monday, probably because uh, Helsley, you know, had the two two out a two inning save, so it makes sense. But Helsley's been filthy; no runs allowed in his uh, eight and the third inning so far. Sixteen strikeouts. Uh, he's swinging <laughs> strike rate twenty seven percent. My goodness, like he's been he's been awesome. I didn't put any bids in for him that were close to uh, to winning him. So what's your thoughts on Ryan Helsley, Toby? Yeah, I mean, he's been dominant. The most impressive stat I think that I have never seen before is a .12 whip. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, all the numbers are out of this world. Um, and maybe I should have been more aggressive. I mean, I was... I had some bid. I had some bids on him the last like few weeks, you know, but nothing where I really prioritized him. Um, yeah, I mean, the numbers are insanely good. The question, I guess, is just whether he is, whether he's going to be the get saves or not. Um, in like a main event, I mean, if he continues to be this dominant, then sure, you can afford to have him in there. But, um, it's just, it's just a little bit hard if he's not closing. And it's one of those things where it's like, if you have Ryan Helsley right now, you're convincing yourself that, Ryan Helsley is the closer, right? Yep. If you have Giovanni Gallegos, you are convincing yourself that you are, um, that He's he is your closer, right? So we're all just trying to convince ourselves of whatever is in our best interest. And 
I mean, I don't know. I don't have, I, I have Gallegos in one DC. So I feel like I'm a fairly neutral party, but it seems like Gallegos has had every opportunity. I think he's only blown the one and there was kind of that controversial error in that particular instance. And I think I heard from somebody somewhere that, um, that, uh, Marmol, the manager even said, you know, are there some instances where I'll use Helsley as the closer? Sure. Is there some instances where I'll use Gallegos as the closer? Sure. If you were to ask me who, if Gallegos is my closer, would I say yes? I would say yes. So I think it's like a somewhat fluid situation, but I don't, outside of the one save that Helsley's gotten, I don't know why Gallegos wouldn't be the closer. Especially if you're like arguing that Helsley's better you know, like, wouldn't that be Helsley in the higher leverage situations? I don't know. Um, it just strikes me as like, I saw some really big bids and people are smarter than me. I mean, some people were in a, I mean, it's just this challenging thing, right? Where Johan Duran, right? Mm-hmm. He gets one day. save. Yep. And so everybody's like, oh, it's, he's the best. He's the best mm-hmm. ever. Now he's going to get every save moving forward. And it's like, he could, but what this year is telling us is that he's probably not, right? And yep. none of these guys. And so the so same conundrum continues where do I have Helsley in this week? Do I have Duran in this week? Am I going to get any saves? Am I not going to get any saves? If I'm not going to get any saves, do I still want the you know three to four innings? What if he drops down to a reasonable strikeout rate where he's only striking out you know 12 per nine? So then he's getting you either four strikeouts in three innings or five and four or six and four. And that's pretty good. But then you're not really getting the wins. And is the whip going to stay as good as it is? Like we always assume that the skills are going to continue in perpetuity, but major league baseball has shown that that's very challenging to do that. So it's just a long winded way of saying Helsley's clearly very dominant right now. I'd love to have him on my team, but it's still a challenging decision about whether to have him in or there or not. Yeah, that's my biggest thing. That's why, like, again, maybe I should have been more aggressive. We'll see. He's filthy, absolutely filthy. But I still think it's a Gallegos, like, 60-40, 65-35. Like, Helsley will get his, but I think they want him in high leverage. That's just simple. So maybe it'll sometimes be the two winning saves. Maybe it won't be. I think it's still mainly Gallegos' deal, like you said, until Gallegos really proves he can't do it. Maybe that happens. We saw it last year in St. Louis. All of a sudden, changing the guard and – you know, Gallegos took over and ran with it. Maybe he reverts back and he can't do it. And oh, Helsley gets it. I missed out. It is what it is. But you also hit on the other big thing. It's like there's going to be weeks where he gets no saves. There may be multiple weeks in a row where he gets no saves. Or you can keep running him out there while you leave a legit closer that might have worse ratios and strikeouts on your bench that might rack up three saves over two weeks. Like that's a, that's a big, big thing you got to worry about. And it makes it tricky. Makes it like, like would you rather play Helsley every week? or Soto for Detroit every week. Like Soto's ratios are garbage. He's like, he's struggling, but he's getting saves. At least he is for now. That could change still, but like he is for now. Fulmer's right there. There's things happening, but that's kind of the conundrum. Do you take the Soto messy with this with the saves, or do you just want Helsley and the goodness? Like it's, it's tricky. Yeah. I mean, Soto's got a 129 ERA and a 129 whip, yep. but he's only got three saves. So he's only got two more. Cause the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, God. Let's I, say, let's say, like uh, Soto looks under the hood. Holy cow, he looks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. His his, his looks, blow up he is looks coming. Really, yeah. really bad. His blow up is coming. Holy cow! It's, Pick up Michael Fulmer, people. Yep, yep, yeah. It, it's ugly for Soto, and I have a lot of Soto because you get him for cheap in drafts. But I'm also really, 
I, I haven't started him every week in certain leagues. Or I didn't need to. <laughs> and it's one of those, like, if he gets gone, it's going to be a quick drop. It's not going to be a question with Soda. But just, like, guys like that that, you know, are on, like, murky teams. Do you want, you want to do that dance? And that's where things go. All I right, want saves. Next, yeah, saves are so much fun, aren't they? Um, the next one's fun. We go back to San Diego with another bat. This guy named Eric Hosmer. Picked up in 121 leagues as high as 201. 201 for Eric Hosmer. Someone must have slipped on the key buttons. I don't know. But he is hitting 382. It's great. Three home runs. Only striking out 14% of the time. That's great. He's also got a 60% ground ball rate, which is what Eric Hosmer does. So awesome. But I think I think you can agree with me on this, Toby. If that ground ball rate stays the way it is, like he usually does, it's going to be tough to maintain this productivity for an entire season. That's just my two cents. Yeah, I mean, he's got a 426 BABIP. Um, he's got a 10.6% walk rate, but he's got a 36.5% O-swing, worse than his uh, career average. He is making more contact than usual. Hasn't been great contact. Lowest hard hit rate ever so far, at least since his rookie season, on Fangraph's hard hit rate, which isn't the end-all, be-all. He does have four barrels, 6.3%, right around his career average. So he's got four barrels and he's got the three home runs. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just kind of the same guy that he was before, except he's playing. Um, I think he's playing every day at this at this juncture right now. But once he slows down a little bit, I don't know if that's going to that should continue. I mean, yeah, like you said, it's all just elevated stuff like yeah 60% ground ball rate he's got a 23.1% home run per fly ball which is why it's looking so good his career is 15.5% I'm not sure why he'd get higher than that um although he has in different periods of time in his career but especially with the the ball the way it is and then a lefty in in San Diego it doesn't really seem like a like a great situation but and the batting average will be decent. He's never had a bad batting average, and especially right now, that's that's valuable. Yeah, it, it, for now, I get it. It's like the Sheldon Noisy argument. If you want to roll with it while he's hot, knock yourself out. Not going to be great in the power department, but he's playing every day, going to hit for an average, which today's baseball, it's hard to find guys that hit for average, so there's probably some actual viability to running him out there while he's hot, but that's got to come to an end eventually because we've seen it. It's like the old it's the baseball HQ thing. Once we see like an established trade, it's established type deal. We've we we know who Eric Cosmer is in the end of the he's played long enough where you can almost back at the baseball card him. Can't do that like good, good, but he's he's one of those guys. He's played enough where if he hits 350 this year, I will be uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say what I would do because I don't want to have to do that just in case, but it'd be pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Let's put it that way. But um next up on the list here, we don't need any more Eric Cosmer talk on this show unless Tammy Reed would like us to. We could talk about him all day long. But uh my dog, who I added everywhere last week, you slackers. And that he went for much more this week. So I guess in hindsight, I could have got him cheaper last week, but I got him cheaper last week than I did would have this week. Let's put it that way. Bruce Zimmerman added 100, or 11 leagues for as high as 121. Someone got him for a buck, though, so good for you. Uh, two starts this week. He, the first one was tonight against um, Minnesota. Five yeah, he innings, did pretty well. Yeah, five innings, two earns, two walks, four Ks. The Ks were early. He struggled a little bit. Uh, he had a couple hits batters, too. That's what I was kind of mm. watching. Cause, cause Love really, those hit batters. I love me some uh, I love me some Zem. But on the season, he's playing great. Four in runs, one four eight ERA, three three two XFIP. Strikeouts have been much better overall as a season. 
some guys are still really skeptical about his overall skill set, but uh, for now he's getting the job done and there's something that ballpark is playing pitcher friendly. So there, there is a lot to potentially be said about that, but I love Bruce Zimmerman. I talked about him a lot last week. So what do you got on Brucey? Yeah, I like him a lot. I mean, I had uh Bruce Zimmerman. He's, I have him in all but one of my DCs, I think. Um, the, the, that's the good news. The bad news is I didn't start him in any of his first three starts of the season. Uh, because they were the against the Yankees, Yankees and the Blue yeah. Jays. So I I benefited nothing from his great start, even though I have widespread exposure. Um, yeah, I mean, everything looks pretty good for Bruce. I mean, the O-swing is high, 34.4%. I didn't see how he did today. You know, not surprisingly, he struggles in the zone, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, with with contact, um, just because he doesn't have the – he's got a, a light fastball, uh, to say the least. Swinging strike rate, 12.3%. K-minus walk, 18.7. All very good. Not a ton of luck. 308 Babbitt, 74.1% strand rate. So it all, all looks legit from there. I think it's just a matter of consistency. And again, like this profile where kind of soft throwing, but one of the reasons why I liked him, I mean, even when you look back at last year, I think he had, let's see, um, this is last year. He had three pitches with a 14% swinging strike rate or higher. So the fastball is ew, but then he's got the change up at 14%, slider at 15.8%, uh, curveball at 15.6%. Fast forward to this year, fastball is still ugly, but the change up's up to 18.1%, slider's at 28.6%. The curve hasn't been great at 7, uh, 7%, but I mean, both that, that change up and that slider are both wicked good pitches. And similarly, like that slider is going to work well against le- lefties. Uh, that changeup is going to work better against righties. Theoretically, I haven't investigated whether that's the case. So that that's important, I think, for that reason. And then, yeah, the curveball is generating an 80% mm-hmm. ground ball rate. So even when he falls behind in the count, he can go to that curveball, maybe generate some ground balls. So I like it a lot. You're not going to get a ton of wins, probably, because he's on the Orioles. Um, I do think that there's a good chance that there's some blow-ups throughout the course of the year. Just some Especially really bad outings. Yeah, it's just yeah. really tough. But, I mean, he's he seems like a great add in a 15-teamer. I think the challenge with the 12-teamer is I'm not sure there's a huge difference between Zimmerman and streaming guys with, with good matchups, you know, That's over fair. the course of That's a fair. week. Yeah. Um, but that said, I mean, pitching is – it's weird because pitching is – it feels like it's really thin. You know, it feels like the waiver wire is bare. It also feels like the waiver wire is bare for hitters. Like it just feels yeah. very, very naked. Yeah. The, the last couple wire. of weeks have been weird on fab, like going through going, I really don't want to add anybody here. <laughs> it's like, it, it's not great. But I'm like, I have to, like I'm holding, you know, so-and-so is out for 60 days. Like I got to do something here. It's garbage. So yeah, I feel you. Like the one thing I'd, and I agree on the 12s with Zimmerman, it's going to be tough to like hold them. I'm going to try to hold them for as long as I can, but uh, it's going to be tough because there will be two star guys that'll they'll fill in much more. I would just say with him, I'd try to be like a week or two early on the good matchups again cuz he will be expensive every time he's available. So try to like add him back cheap if you can. I know it's not going to be easy, but he'd be a, a roster spot I'd be willing to juggle if I could pull it off. But uh, we'll see. Probably not the only one that likes him in each league. So it makes it a little difficult. All right, next up on the agenda, this is a fun one. Talked about him on Thursday oh, night with Ryan also. Chris Paddock. Yep. Hello <laughs> Chris Paddock, the Cowboy. Added an 88 leagues, $142 max. Chris Paddock, he's made four starts, at least five innings and three straights. He has been very good. Only 16K, so the strikeouts aren't there, but he's only got two walks on the season. Has not allowed a home run. 
315 ERA, 316 XFIP. And the most important thing, folks, he has a third pitch he's using almost 20% of the time. And it's been effective. The curveball's been effective. What? Yeah, yeah. And hey, to be fair, when I've knocked him for years on this show, it's because I said he needed a third pitch. Well, it's not like how Glass now developed a third pitch, which that was filthy. But the curveball for Paddock at near 20% usage rate, it's filthy enough to make everything else work. And that's all he's ever needed. That's what we've always said about these guys. Now, can it be sustainable? We'll see. But that, to me, I'm not a pitching expert, but that's been the key to his success so far that's allowed him to get through five innings most starts. Were you interested in Chris Paddock? Yeah, you know, he wasn't really available. I think he was gone in all my leagues. But, um, yeah, I mean, it looks pretty good. Like, I think the real key that you mentioned there is the really low walk rate. That's so important for him. Mm-hmm. He's always had that really low walk rate, but the Ks just aren't there. You know, the swinging strike rate really isn't there. The end zone contact isn't really there. So keeping that O swing up, you know, pounding the zone, getting ahead of of guys, I mean, it is really critical for him. And he seems to be doing that, you know, 323 BABIP and 69.6% strand rate. So it's not like he hasn't been, like he's been getting lucky in that department. I mean, he hasn't given up a home run yet, you know, and that's one thing. But even when you look at that, like barrel rate is at 3.2%. Again, it's going to take longer for, you know, these pitchers, um, you know, for that to be meaningful at all. I don't even know if it's meaningful, honestly, but, you know, that's the lowest he's had in, in, a, in a while. And so that's all really encouraging stuff. You mentioned the third pitch. I have not investigated it yet, but that could be a really it's not big. Like, it's not elite, but it's good enough to like make it interesting. Yeah. Uh, the curveball. Yeah, he's yeah. throwing it nearly. He's basically throwing it almost one to one with his changeup. I wonder why he's doing that. Well, so it's similar to kind of Zimmerman in a little bit. Yep, in it's a hundred percent. It's how Bundy too. Look at Bundy. Bundy's doing the same thing. Mm. But that's why point four percent ground ball rate on it. So yep. it's yep. a hit me pitch, but yep. you're gonna hit it, but it's not gonna do much. Like look at his um, batting average against it, but his XBA. Like he, he, like in theory, they're almost getting lucky on his curveball right now. Mm. The X Wo was only three oh six. Like they're overperforming on his curveball right now, according to the metrics. Again, it's early. Like, has, is it is there enough data to make it count? Probably not. But like, it's not a put away pitch, but it's got a better whiff rate than his fastball. So it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's it's that's very interesting. <laughs> um, similar kind of profiles. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, like I mean, honestly, like Zimmerman's is is better from a skills perspective, yes. but. I mean, just in terms of um, situation that he's in, I mean, Paddock's is good. So sure, roll with it. I'm not going to tell you he's not going to give up, you know, three home runs in his next outing. Uh, He'll get blown up a few times this year. There's no questioning that. It will happen. But it's like you said with Zim, and uh, I just pulled up Bundy just for fun, just to kind of spitball this with you here for a second. He's doing something similar. He's 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 got his four seam, but then he's got like a 21% slider, almost 19% changeup now. And like his sinker 13, curveball 10. So it's like he's mixing up the pitches more. Like if you look at his rolling grass throughout his last couple of years, he's using the changeup a lot more and kind of ditching the sinker more. And that just that little switch has helped this year. But we even said it last week, like he's going to get blown up because if it's not effective, it's going to get hit. And he got hit around a bit, but he still went six and struck out seven. Most I was, almost, I was almost, I almost like him more after getting yeah. hit, around. hit around than I did previously because the numbers, the underlying metrics were better than they had yeah. been previously. Cause he like went six. Strike like, rate is up it was late in his start. Yeah. Yeah. He was really, um, 
Let me just see something too. I'm it's curious. just fun seeing these guys. And, and the, the, the reason I wanted to connect it is a Bundy's pitch mix change, but Bundy and Paddock are on the same team. So the twins are doing something there with these guys. And it's not like we don't talk about that enough. And maybe it's just fool's gold early on in the season with the baseballs and stuff. But we always focus on like the Astros and these other teams. Maybe the twins are starting to figure something out. They get these guys that people don't want anymore and they can just work on the skill set and they're good enough to get two of their loaded bullpen. Mm-hmm. So is that fantasy relevant? I don't know. Cause they're only, if they're going five or six, that kind of makes it tricky at times, but maybe streamable on certain weeks. So just wanted to bring that up. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. Like with Bundy too, like he's got the 70.6% ground ball rate on his splitter, mm-hmm. which has a 13.6% swinging strike rate. And then on the sinker, he's only thrown 32. So not a ton, yep. but 55.6% ground ball rate. So, you know, at least like the, the, the 55.6% isn't an elite, but you know, guys who maybe have somewhat limited repertoires only have two pitches that they're, that are, that are really good or, or good, or maybe even just one, honestly, because the fastball is not good. But then having a pitch that they don't mind it if people hit it because they're not necessarily doing damage, at least well, yet. We'll see what happens other, when, when things, the environment changes a little bit. And the other reason we talked about Bundy last week, and I, we didn't talk about Paddock, but somehow he came up in a conversation. Maybe it's when we were talking about Bundy. But um, Ryan made a, a bloom board that going into the weekend, so before the blow up in Tampa, uh, he is one of the guys with a, um, a, a he's basically had a, a strikeout rate over 11%, ball rate over like 20 something percent, and a ground ball rate. He had a 11% swinging strike rate, a 28% ball rate, and a 47% ground ball rate. So he's throwing it in the zone, getting ground balls, just like the thing we looked at. So it's, it makes for an interesting, interesting profile. Is it sustainable? We'll see. But uh, throwing strikes is fun. Who would have thought? All right, Joey Wendell, 85 leagues, as high as 107, as low as $1. I like Joey Wendell. I get Joey Wendell. I didn't put any bids in on Joey Wendell. Um, tell me what I'm missing here. He hits the bottom of the order. He's been okay, don't get me wrong, but there's not a lot of power. He stole a couple bases over the last week. Before that, really, I didn't stole a lot. Like In deeper leagues, sure, but we're doing 12 team right now, and I'm, I'm confused, Toby. Did I miss something here besides maybe a bunch of righties he's facing this week? No, I think a lot of it is just the response. Like he had a good week with steals, I think. Yeah, he had three and steals. in batting average, so I think people are kind of chasing after that a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing really special going on here. Again, and that's not to say he isn't a valuable player, but you know, sixty percent ground ball rate. You know, he's not going to hit many home runs at all. You know, so if you like you combine his projection, like his rest of season projection for the bat X is 246 with five home runs and 13 steals. And it's like that would give him six steals and 17, six home runs and 17 steals with like a 260 batting average over the course of a full season, something like that. And it just, you know, it's just hard because he doesn't do much. And I don't know how much he's going to help you. Um, anywhere really but but who knows i mean he can go on he can go on some streaks he's with miami they they steal a decent amount so who knows who knows what joey wendell is going to do mr wendell yeah mr yeah, yeah. wendell mr wendell yeah it, it's it's interesting cuz like yeah he's got his moments but like he had the three steals last week would you rather roll the dice in a 12 team league 15 might be a little different cuz wendell's probably got a pretty decent floor you could say but in a 12-team league, would you rather have Joey Wendell or Sheldon Noisy? In a 12-teamer? Yeah. 
Oh, man. Noisy's hitting second, playing every day. Wendell's still kind of platoons. Hits ball in the order. I'd probably go with Noisy just because yeah. I think there's a little bit more power there. And yep. so, and he's stealing, and I don't know how much he's going to steal overall, but. Yeah, that was kind of a new thing, it felt like, for him. That was a surprise. It's just hard, even with this home run environment, it's just hard to have a guy who in 600 plate appearances hit six home runs. You know, yeah. like that's just a yep. hard thing to have yeah. on your team. Like Unless Joey he's Wendell's like Miles a, yeah. Straw, but even then it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, but like at least Joey Wendell's like a good baseball player. He's just not a fantasy baseball player. Like it's just one of those things you got to accept in this game. All right. Dakota Hudson, two steps this week, uh, 74 leagues, highest 118. Pretty much a two step ad is the way I see it. Six innings, three earned four Ks tonight in step one. Against the Royals, Bobby Witt went deep for the first time. He had a good game. He's been swinging it. That's like an 11 or 12-game hitting streak since they moved him to seventh in the order. He's hit every game since they moved him down. Shocker. Take the pressure off the kid. He starts to rake. Like It's uh, amazing what the talent does, but that's not who, not who we're talking about. Dakota Hudson. I didn't really care to add Dakota Hudson. Were you in on Dakota Hudson? Um, I was not. I mean, yeah. Hudson is – he's a little bit, he's a little bit um, scary – like, and I mean, you saw what happened here. So this is, he's got a 22.4% O swing. That's God awful. His Z contact is 89.6%. So way worse than league average. His overall contact is way worse than league average as well. He doesn't throw the ball in the zone that much. Doesn't really get in front of hitters so far. His swinging strike rate is 8%, which is awful. His K minus walk rate is 6.5%. His walk rate is 11.7%. His K rate... 18.2%. His BABIP, 180. His strand rate, 78.1. So you could argue theoretically that he's like, not only have the skills been awful, but he's due significant regression, which, I mean, he got a little bit of that today. It wasn't awful. Um, he does generate a lot of ground balls, though, I think, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. He's at 53.8%. So I'd prefer to see him at that 60% mark that he's hit a couple... Well, actually, those are just the, the smaller times. So even like that mid fifties percent, um, I like I like him being there a lot more. But there's just not a lot that he's given you. Not a lot of not a lot of strikeouts. Um, maybe the ratios. You know, maybe you start him at home or something like that in in some matchups. But it just has blow up written all over it, where there's no no skill or anything of his except for maybe the Cardinals defense that's above average. Yeah, that's, I wanted nothing to do with him. Like One thing for me is if I'm streaming guys, yeah, the matchups have to be good, and he had okay matchups. But I got to have strikeout upside, and he just doesn't do it for me because if we're streaming them, we've talked about it in years past, they're obviously not aces or they'd be on your team already. So there's going to be warts when you grab these guys. Like with him, he doesn't strike guys out. You know, you're hoping for the ground ball, so on and so forth. I want that strikeout upside, so at least if he's going to give it three or four runs, he's going to give me like six Ks. Like give me something, and Dakota Hudson ain't going to do it. So – yeah, I was not interested in him. Santiago Espinal is pretty interesting, especially more in the 15s, and he was a big name in D.C. drafts early in the season. People loved him because he looked to be the starting third baseman for the Jays, and he's getting a ton of love for the Jays so far this year. Over the last 12 games, he's hit safely a 9 of 12 games, he's hit around 300, a couple home runs, a stolen base, playing second base nearly every day because, you know, they went and got Matty Chapman. So that's been nice, but um, he's playing really well. And I guess while and that's second base, third base eligible, I believe now that he does that. Um, I think he's more of a 15 guy for me than a 12, but I guess ride him while he's hot type situation. What's your thoughts on Espinal? 
Yeah, I like Espinal, um, especially for 15-teamers. I mean, 12-teamers, a lot of these guys are just kind of interchangeable, honestly, mm-hmm. depending on what the matchup is. But, um, yeah, I mean, Espinal, so uh, two home runs, three steals, you know, seven runs, 11 RBI, 250 batting average. So all, like, pretty nice, like you mentioned. The BABIP's not outrageous. It's actually below what he's been at in his brief career. He's hitting the ball in the air, 33.3% ground ball rate. He's hitting the ball harder than he's hit it before. Play discipline is fine, 32.5%, not bad. He's making a lot of contact, 80.8% overall contact. Um, I know people have referenced how he he uh, worked on gaining muscle in the offseason. So he's got five barrels, 8.3% barrel rate. So again, you know, nice there, especially for a guy who's got a little bit of speed a little bit of pop in a good lineup. He's even gotten unlucky. His hard hit rate from StatCast perspective is high, 43.3, highest he's ever had. So he's definitely improving. He's good. You know, he's not going to be a monster power guy. I mean, his max exit velo is pretty close to Kevin Biggio levels at 106.9, um, slightly higher, so not that bad. But um, but that's also up to almost three miles per hour from his previous high. So I think a lot of good things going on with Espinal. He's good. Um, kudos to a uh, friend of the podcast, Rob DiPietro, mm-hmm. who was a fan of Espinal Big in the off season. I think has a lot of him in, in DCs. So yeah, yeah, I, I like him. I mean, of all the guys we've talked about, honestly, of the hitters that we've talked about, I think it's probably like Ha Seung Kim. I mean, Hosmer's, Hosmer's fine too, but him and Espinal are kind of the guys that stick out to me as maybe, you know, guys that can give you a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed, not hurt your batting average, even help it. And I think yeah. that's worth a lot. And Espinal's on a great offense. Like, sure, the Jays aren't clicking as often as we thought, but that's just baseball right now. When they, They're still doing pretty good considering the rest of baseball. Um, and so that's going to be a plus as well because he's going to have games where he gets extra RBIs because there's so many guys on base. If he gets, he gets right, drove in, a lot of things can be huge for Espinal. So I'm with you there. He does have a lot of upside. He just um, – I guess I didn't think of him – as deep in a 12 but i i guess i guess because you're still teams are so loaded in 12 it's just just tough to uh to make that move but uh yeah i can see it for sure 12 12s are so much just like stream the guy who's got the good matchups in seven games that's why all these guys are the same i've dropped so many guys on 12s already that i've never considered dropping in a 15 just because i'm like screw it i'm gonna grab this guy while he's hot and go here and here and here and here and just kind of play that game because that's what you do and just pray you don't overspend too much that's just the way i looked at it um Last guy I want to talk about here, unless you have some more, but uh, we'll hit some listener questions in a minute. But I wanted to bring up J.P. Crawford. Added in 66 leagues, as high as 530, over half of someone's beginning of the season budget. Who are these people? I I, want to know who they are. I know. There needs to be a name attached because I get J.P.'s been great. He had an 11-game hitting streak coming in tonight. He snapped it, went 0 for 4. But on those 11 games, he was hitting 429 with four home runs striking out 17% of the time. He was hitting great. Don't get me wrong. You know, even, you know, 12% barrel rate, 47% hard rate rates. Not bad, not great, not bad. But let's be real. Like, we've seen J.P. Crawford. He might be better than usual, sure. Like, he's um he's hitting fifth for the uh, the Mariners. Usually he's at the top of the order. But I didn't want to break the bank for J.P. Crawford. What's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's – He's definitely reasonable um, in 15-teamers. I mean, 12-teamers, not that much. Um, I mean, the thing is, I think the last time we met, the last time we potted, I think we talked about him and his walk rate was at like 18%. 
and his K rate was at like some ridiculously known low number. And now it's at 12.5% and 10.4%. I mean, again, the, the K percent at 10.4% doesn't make any sense. His contact rate is lower than it's been the last three years. It's a pure small sample fiction is what's happening there. Um, again, the O swing, the walk rate is so high, but the O swing is right. It's uh, higher than his career average. And so again, the, the walk rate is always going to be decent because he's got a great eye, but it's going to go down. The K rate is going to go up, you know, probably close to that 16%. His BABIP's going to go down from 388. 100% of his barrels aren't going to turn into home runs. I think the thing that you're hoping for from him though, is that that ground ball rate stays lower at 40.8%, but I know it's up over the last little bit too. So like that at 40.8%, I mean, that's going to translate into more home runs. So instead of hitting the nine, then he probably hits, you know, 13, 12, something like that. does make a bit of a difference. Oh, for sure. But then the challenge is he's not really stealing for you. Yep. Yep. Ask Chaz Chisholm about that. Chaz is curling me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and then... Like batting average wise, do we think that he's going to hit higher than the 273, which is his highest of his career, which reflected the highest BABIP of his career? You know, um, we shouldn't expect that, especially with a lower ground ball rate. Like unless, you know, he's got that line drive rate at 28.2% and he could become an elite line drive guy. You know, you could maybe see that in his skill set because he's a contact first type of profile, but I just don't, I don't see enough of it. So again, like, if you picked him up last week, kudos because he's continuing to rake. I'm just not sure that I continue to see it. And then I don't really understand some of the projections. Like, you know, the bat has him for seven more steals this year. So for eight, you know, like, I guess maybe um, it's just three all of last year. He had 11 in, in over 600 plate appearances in the two previous seasons combined doesn't seem like he's going to start stealing more than he has previously. So I'm a little skeptical of, of that, um, of that as well. I mean, but that only gets him to eight steals in 650 plate appearances. So again, it's just one of these things where a guy doesn't really have a skill that you can latch on to and yep. do anything with. So just for fun, I think I know the answer, but I'm just curious. Would you rather have JP Crawford or, San- or Santiago Espinal? I think I'd rather have Espinal. That's, that's if you go there. I, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with it at all. Because uh, like JP, like he's crushing and he's he's continuing to hit right now. But that regression train is going to hit with like a hammer from Thor. It is going to hurt to bring him back to that two seventy ish range, and that's going to be a sting. Because that's why that's what we keep talking about when we do these recaps. Like, sure, you can buy the streaks, like ride them when they're hot, but just realize like these dudes are going to fall back to earth, and it's going to really, really stink. Like it's going to stink. And by the way, I just saw a bad baseball cost Muncie a two run homer against Verdon. He crushed that baseball. So that made me feel good. Oh, but man. um all the way to the wall and right. But uh yeah, so it's 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 one of those deals with uh regression. So if you're paying for these guys, great, but paying five thirty, not so much. All right, let's do some listener questions on this bad boy here. And this is a fun one. Larry Cardosa asks, What's up? Which call-up has a better chance to stay up? MJ Melendez, Jose Miranda, or Juan Yepes? I want to get your thought, and then I have a guest prospect analyst that gave me an answer. Oh, wow. Say say it one more time. Who are the two? What call-up has a better chance to stay up? MJ Melendez, Jose Miranda, 
or Juan Yepes? Two Royals, one twin. Um, I mean, you know, you guys know I don't know these things. I would look I at somebody. Uh, I'm glad you did because we are listeners. We're, pro- like we're not massive broadcast or prospect people, so I want to make sure at least I had. Yeah, so in. like the bad X has Melendez essentially at 18 and six in 600 play appearances with a 216 batting average. Um, Miranda, I mean, I'm guessing that Miranda is probably going to be my answer. Um, but let's see, Jose Miranda, he's at 255 with five home runs and one steal in 237 plate appearances. So like, I don't know, 12 home runs and a 255 batting average. And then the last one was Juan Yepes. Actually, I'm probably going to go with Yepes. Um, although like, I don't know contextually, like why he's been called up. Why has he been called up or has he been called up? I believe so. I believe he he played tonight. I believe. Could be wrong. Um, I know Melinda's made his debut tonight. I would probably go with none of them. But I would probably go with maybe Miranda. Miranda. Well, you win the lotto because our guest guest prospect analyst, Eric Cross at Eric Cross 04 from Fantrax.com and the Fantrax Toolshed podcast, Fantasy Pros as well. They win it all. Awesome dude. Does a lot of prospect work. There's a lot of great prospect people out there, but I texted Eric the second I got that. I said, hey, can you give me a quick answer? I'd really appreciate it. And his answer was Miranda. He's the best pure hitter of the three, and he can play first base, second base, and third base, which would help him stay on the field. So he thinks the fact that basically they called it Miranda means they want to use Miranda now. That's kind of their thought process. Like Melendez came up because they sent Cam Gallagher down, the backup catcher. So Melendez will get some run, but it's like it's for how long? Like Carlos Santana got scratched tonight, so maybe that helps a little bit. Their best mm-hmm. hitter isn't even in the bigs right now, at least best AAA hitter coming into the year. So we'll have to kind of see what the Royals are doing. They got a lot of guys down there that are going to have some fun this year, but right now it's it's very, very questionable. All right, next on the docket here, we have Eric Samolski asks, would love to hear you two just discuss Drew Rasmussen. Can't figure him out. Relying on the the, the changeup and slider is good, but the, or cutter and slider, sorry, cutter and slider, but the cutter also gets hit hard. He looked great against Seattle, but fairly average against Oakland. He confuses me. I think um, your your buddy, the robot, was high on Drew Rasmussen. Yeah, Phil is very high on Drew Rasmussen. I'm not going to lie. I don't fully understand yeah, I Drew Rasmussen either. Um, I mean, Phil's a lot smarter than I am, so I would trust his judgment on him, and I'd obviously hold on to him. I don't think anybody's getting getting rid of him. Um, but, like, I just don't get how he's doing it. I mean, he's got... I mean, the swinging strike rate is elevated this year at 12.7%. And the K-minus walk rate is 17.6%, which is good. The O swing's good at 33.3. You know, not dominant in the zone, 87.1 in zone. You know, but he's he's limiting the home runs. Like, he's right in line with his home runs. He doesn't walk guys, you know, which I think is super helpful. He has a 210 BABIP, which do some regression, but he's also you know, his career is two is at 260, although it's very small. So we really don't know where that's going to even out at. So he doesn't necessarily have the skills of like an elite guy, but he's in a really good context. Um, he's throwing five innings or more. Now he's got a great bullpen behind him. 
The projections don't mind him at all. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. I mean, it's hard to explain sometimes what makes people good. I mean, Michael Waka is good so far and there's no explanation for it. There's a lot more of an explanation for Rasmussen and so, and I'll be totally wrong on him because I was not interested in him at all. It's fun seeing that his cutter, his four seam, and his slider, he's thrown all about 31% of the time. And the one thing I'll say is last year, Savant doesn't even have him throwing a cutter. So the cutter's a new pitch, it looks like. And that could be a big piece of it. It's got a .095 batting average. Like, there's probably get some negative regression coming. Massive whiff rate, putting guys away with it. Just looking at the stats here. So the cutter could be a huge addition to things. Because last, yes. last year, he was 65% forcing, 30% slider. Now he's 31 and a half slider, 31, almost 32 cutter, 33 forcing. So he dropped the forcing almost basically his entire forcing drop is now cutter. Like that's huge. Yeah, the cutter, the cutter is huge. I'm just looking at what you were talking about now. And that gives him now almost two pitches now that are 15% swinging strike. And to your point, like he's throwing them all about a third of the time. So it's really hard. You think you're getting the fastball, it ends up being the cutter. You think you're getting the slider, it's the cutter. You think you're getting That's the cutter, it's your yeah. slider. You know, then you're so it's a really nice kind of combination uh repertoire that he's got right there. And a- adding that pitch is huge. I can see, yeah, it, it's big. And the, the one the one thing though to Eric <laughs> to Eric's thing, and I think that I I love the addition plus, like you said, the 33, 30, basically third of the time you don't know which pitch is coming. So I think that's huge, but he did mention it's confusing because the cutter's doing so well, but it gets hard. It has almost a 59% hard hit rate. Like yeah, when it gets hit, it gets smoked. <laughs> I, I wouldn't pay attention to that stuff though. That's, that's fair. Small, such a small very sample. small. Yeah. I mean, how many balls have been put in play that he, yeah, how many of his cutters? Pitches, um, I don't even how know many how balls many balls in play. Are in play. I, don't, I would not pay attention to his pitch yeah, specific stuff, point. especially if the pitch is good is a good pitch good and it's not like the best pitch but it's a good enough pitch you know it's a good point so um, i think the cutter's huge that's the thing and uh it's yeah i'd like to eric one thing i'd say because eric's a genius he's two time he won two fswa awards this yeah, year for has. writing um really great content he puts out and i know he's smart enough to do this if i was uh, eric i'd keep an eye on this and look back like at the all-star break with a bigger sample to see how the cutter's doing and then, like, at the end of the year, you might get a really good idea for next season with Drew Rasmussen. That's my two cents. And it won't help you now, obviously, but I think we might get a better idea of, like, we're speculating the cutter is such the massive reason why. The, the hard hit is what I'm trying to see should stabilize by then, I would say. But we'll see. Because if it's, like, a Mariano-type cutter, that's disgusting to add at 30% of the time. So we'll see. He had one more question that I'm going to throw in here because you kind of mentioned him. Also, if you wouldn't mind addressing what in the hell is Waka doing? And I'm bitter because I drafted Waka in round 30 of all my late drafts for his two start to start the season. And then I've dropped him everywhere and he's still pitching really good with his smoke and mirrors and it's making me angry. So what do you got on Waka? Oh, he's going to get destroyed. It's coming. It's yeah. coming, people. It didn't it's tonight, coming. though. I'm like, I'm waiting for it to happen, and he got away with it again tonight. It's just, I mean, 26% O swing, <laughs> 86.5 in the zone, 9.2% swinging strike, 10% K minus walk, 154 Babip, 93% strand rate. You know, he's, it's just like, let's see what he did today. I bet he was absolutely. Maybe, maybe he did. I thought he threw today, but I don't see it. He did. Phone. He did. 
He did. Okay, Fangraphs. Oh, there he, it is. He's, he's absolutely five and two thirds. No more runs. Only two Ks though. That's better. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is he's just. Let me see. Let's see what he did like from a skills perspective. Though. A zero ERA with a four eight one xFIP. I know it's a small sample, but just to see that gap, it's pretty wild. Let's see what three we four three FIP. Yeah, he uh, he got lucky got. again. Let's see. All right, player breakdown. Michael Waka. Yeah, he threw sixty pitches. <laughs> Four whiffs, 22% CSW. He's absolute garbage. He's going to end up getting absolutely destroyed soon. And I don't know. And I hope he does because I dropped him everywhere because he looks so bad. Yeah, I dropped him everywhere too. And then what will happen, Toby, is we'll pick him up for his next two start, and which I think was this week. So I think we might have got lucky. But um, if he keeps pitching well, I know I'll get suckered back into him probably. And then it's just like the gombrain will take place. God. It'll happen, so we'll see. But all right, our buddy Ben Tidd, always a great listener, always giving us good questions. We appreciate it, Ben. Um, what do you guys think about Charlie Morton for the rest of the season? Because that was a hot topic today as uh, Chucky is struggling. And uh, Alex Fast was tweeting about it that he kept getting the two strikes on guys, but he couldn't put them away. And they either walk him or they get hit. It's like he's he's having trouble finishing things off right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, not pretty today. Five whiffs, 99 pitches. Um, I think the thing with Morton is, I mean, I think you just got to be patient with him. You know, he had the injury, so he had a little bit of a different off season than he had. Especially not being we, on the team's we, trainers. That was big. We know how good he can be. And last year he did something similar where he started off pretty slowly and he ended up, um, he ended up being absolute fire towards the end. So it doesn't mean you have to have him in your lineups, you know, moving forward, but I don't think like, don't be dropping him in 15s or even 12s at this point. You know, I think it, I think we're underestimating like the impact that the lack of spring training has had on some guys. Mm -hmm. Um, The lack of that usual. um, Yeah. So, We'll see. And I'm just trying to see like what his pitch velocity, how much it's done. Um, yeah, so it's down a little bit, 94.8 from 94.5. So yeah, so not like yeah. not insignificant though, one mile per hour. So yeah. give him a little time, see if that he can get that, that get that up a little bit. And, um, you know, again, don't put him in against any tough matchups. But I think he's worth just holding and kind of seeing what happens. As long as his arm is still healthy, which we have to assume it is, I'm not panicking just yet because uh, he he wasn't dominant. But the fact he was still getting ahead of guys, he's got something going. Like you said, the way he finished last year was tremendous. So I wouldn't be shocked if we get a good run out of him yet again. And that skill set he can bring is one thing I love about Charlie is he goes deep in every game. He gets a ton of strikeouts. So it's 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 a valuable asset as the season goes on. Dave Petros Yellow asks, what do you think of Reed Detmers? I think he'll be very good in time, but that likely won't be this year. I think or hope he can be he can be kind of good this year because the Angels are very good and he can get some wins. He talked out at 95-9 his last start, but didn't get any swinging strikes on his fastball, which I saw in a tweet, but I bet Toby already knew that. So what do you got on Reed Detmers? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's nothing great, you know, to write home about. Um, you know, O swing is le- lower than league average. Z contact slightly around, right around league league average. I think is the most accurate way to say it. Eight point four percent swinging strike, fifteen point five K minus walk. 
you know, low BABIP 239, but low strand rate at 63.3. You know, lower walk rate is kind of nice at 2.6, you know, giving up home runs. So he looks all right. But I mean, I think the thing is, like, how many home runs has he given up? Has he given up four? He's given up three home runs on four barrels. Um, so I think with him, like, I think he's just like in 15 teamers, I think he's just a kind of a hold and wait and see matchup type play. He's not going deep into games at all, which is really challenging. So he's, you know, barely getting to five. Um, but hopefully they'll stretch him out a little bit more than that. Um, and he'll, and he'll get there. So I think he's kind of a matchup dependent play in 15 teamers, but we've seen guys like this, you know, be able to take that kind of next step either with like a little bit of a bump and below or a pitch mix change or, or something mechanical. So you just kind of hold on to him and, and see what you do, but don't put him into any dangerous matchups. I, I don't trust him enough. Yeah. I don't trust him at all right now. Like, and in between the skill set kind of not flourishing, I guess is one way to say it. And the six man rotation, I was like, I don't have time for Detmers, at least in 12s. I got no time for him at 12. Um, I might be overdoing it, but that's my philosophy this year. I've talked about, I got to be more aggressive in my moves. And to me, holding him on a roster is tough. Very, very tough right now. So I'm passing on uh, Reed Detmers for now. Our buddy, the doctor, Mike Carter, says, what do I do with Joey Votto in a 12-teamer? You sit him for now and pray he figures it out. I can't. Like I picked him up in 12-teamers last year, and people dropped him, and he was tremendous, obviously. I think he's still going to be fine, and I, I'll let you have the floor here in a second, but did you see him retweet the Fangraphs article? I did, yeah. That was beautiful. Like That's, that's vengeance is what that is, and maybe I'm just looking way too much into it and anything can happen, but motivating a guy that still has a pretty good skill set I'm thinking is not going to help. So I'm holding him as long as possible, but the underlying stats look bad. I'm not going to deny that. They look really bad, but it's it again, I'm waiting until the end of May before I get too panicky. So where are you at? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty ugly. It's bad. It's bad. There's no sugarcoating it with Joey Votto. Like the op, like at least with like Nelson Cruz, you look at his X stats and it's still early, but there's such a big gap, like some regressions coming. It just has to, Joey Votto doesn't have much hope right now. If you look at that kind of stuff, yeah, I mean he is he is unlucky. I can't believe I only have one. I only have him on one team. Um, he, I mean, I think the concerns that I would have are the huge spike in ground ball rate. You know, forty nine percent this year. He's never been anywhere close to that. The hard hit rate is down really low. The, he's chasing. Um, overall contact rate is also down considerably and, you know, he's got three barrels, no home runs, a little bit of bad luck there, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just not great. There's not a lot of, to hold on to, but I, I think you're right, Bubba. I think the guy like Votto with, with what he's been able to do, especially in short periods of time, mm-hmm. you just got to hope he gets locked in. Um, again let's see uh, I, I can't give up on him yet like there's certain guys i'm willing to kind of move on from but i think there's still a long ways to go with joey Votto. especially in that ballpark it warms up if we ever get the bouncy ball back like there's a lot going on there yeah let's see yeah it's not it's not good looking everything's headed in the wrong direction yeah man poor joey We'll see. But hold, Mike, hold. I know even Ryan Bloomfield said, I'm trying to figure out what to do in a 15-team league. So 
you hold for now. You hold. That's all. Especially in a fifteen, like there's the replacement value for Joey Votto is going to be pretty, pretty rough out there in my opinion. Like, okay, let's have fun. Say he's available, maybe more in a twelve than a fifteen. Obviously, would you rather roll with Rowdy Telez or Joey Votto? Rowdy, I gotta look at him. I don't have him anywhere, which I know everybody's talking about him, so it probably means I've made a huge horrible mistake. <laughs> um, he's probably great, but he's playing well. He's not doing great. Is he playing well. every day? Pretty much, yeah. Because Keston here kind of got the whole platoon thing kind of got Keston's still getting love, but Rowdy's playing even versus lefties a lot. Hmm. 2D219. And I was just throwing out like random first basements that are kind of media, media, middle uh, yeah. of the pack type stuff. I'd probably, yeah, it's tough. Probably still want Votto. I think I still want Votto too, but if it's one of those leagues where you're like, okay, it's so close, like at least it's a conversation. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, makes things a bit more interesting. Two more questions here. Taylor Johnson asks, are there any encouraging signs from Ranger Suarez, or is he more of a streamer moving forward? This is a great question because I love Ranger coming into the season, and I get it, man. It's looked rough. It's looked very rough so far. And um, I'm, I'm still holding out hope, but what do you see with Ranger? Yeah, let me just see. I know he pitched today, five whiffs, 93 pitches, 26% CSW. Um, yeah, nothing good today. Uh, let's see, Ranger, Suarez. Um, so let's see. 30.7 O-swings, right at league average. Pretty significant dip in his, or increase in his Z-contact. 82.9% after 75.6, or sorry, 89.2 after 84.7 last year. Swinging strike rate down 7.6%. Walking more guys. Um. Yeah, and maybe that's it. I mean, maybe last year, you know, some of the luck was just that low walk rate with pretty, pretty, pretty mediocre to poor um, uh, walk walk rate kind of underlying metrics. Babbitt at three twenty eight, you know, so much higher, but seventy seven point two percent strand home runs low. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I, I wonder if he's a velo dipper here. Probably would be my guess, maybe at least a little bit. Um, so sinker, yeah, he's down 0.5. So not a huge dip, but um, at that range, anything significant. Yeah, I mean, it was always the concern, right? Last year was the perfect year where everything kind of went his way. Um, the BABIP went his way. The... Um, you know, just the underlying metrics weren't out of this world by any stretch of the imagination, but he was able to have a great season, you know, 0.34 home runs per nine. I don't think anybody has that. So it's all probably like kind of natural regression. And if you combine, like I would guess, like when he gets to 100 innings this this year, you know, ERA probably in the like low fours, whip in the like one threes, something like that. 
Like when you combine that with 2021, that's probably who Ranger Suarez is. Yeah, that, that's my concern is I think he'll be better this year, but I think it's like we're not going to get last season either. Like I was a elite type season. It's kind of what Nestor Cortez is doing right now. So maybe prepare for some fun there with Nestor as well. But uh, oh, yeah, mean, Ranger. Nestor's, like Nestor's out of this world. Good he's though. insane right now, but like I'm waiting for that shoe to kind of like at least slow down because he's, he's just pitching ridiculous. But like I still like Ranger, especially in the right matchups, but it's been a rough start. I, I do think there's better days to come, but it's uh, – it's tough, and that ballpark's going to be tricky. That division's not the, he's the best division. There's going to be ups and downs. He was just so filthy last year. Like, we mm-hmm. saw probably like the 95th percentile of Ranger Suarez last year and maybe even higher. That makes it kind of tricky. All right, last question here. It's a fun one. Steve Stoughton asks, who is the rookie of the year in the American League, and why is it Jeremy Pena? I mean, is it really a question? <laughs> I think he's just I mean, know. just a huge shout-out to Rob Silver for – convincing me to draft Jeremy Pena in some leagues Um, because I was not in on him at all. And Rob was very convincing. And now I have him in, you know, one of my main events, my main event that's doing the best in third place. Um, And then uh, my OC as well. So I, I, I I wish I had friends like that. That'd be really cool. I know. I mean, next next year when you go to um, when Vegas. you go to Vegas for NFBC, yeah, you won't miss out on that stuff. Yes, I know. I'll have to take advantage. I'll have to go to late all, night parties. All the cool kids. I mean, Pena is. I mean, he is hitting two fifteen. Yeah, he's Let's not forget that with a two twenty six Babbitt though. Yeah, there, there's there's stuff to like there for sure. And the biggest thing I think with Pena, hey, where you yeah, where yeah. you drafted him at, he ain't going nowhere. Like yeah, he's gonna eight, start eight barrels, thir- 13.6. He went, he went deep right? yesterday or nice. on Monday for those listening. Yeah, he's, he's actually been unlucky. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 14 and 12. So you look at now, you like him even homers. more. Oh, Jesus. I like him. Yep. 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 It's pretty, pretty wild stuff there. But what else is wild is that's another episode in the books, Toby. Another fun episode. Five weeks of fab already down. I think it leaves us with like 21 more weeks to go. Pretty sure it's like 26 weeks, 27 weeks, something like that. Mm hmm um so we're like maybe almost kind of short of like 20 percent there <laughs> it's, it's a long that's why i keep telling do not panic like it's so long at least get to like memorial day or the end of may like before you really start getting wild with things out here because like i said i got joey Votto in a couple 12ers last year and that was tremendous not saying he's going to do that this year but there'll be players like that available that get dropped and then all of a sudden you can get him for like i got Votto. i have to go back and look but i want to say it was like 25 26 bucks and that was beautiful. So yeah, this um, is the time people start getting a little shaky, panic droppy, panic droppy. And so it's like, if you don't want to roll the dice on a, a Sheldon noisy, like we talked about, go put a couple bucks in on a, an elite player that's slumping, put him on your bench. See if he turns it around. If he doesn't, you drop him. It's uh, this is it's like, we, we talk about streaming pitchers, go stream some bench bats. Like it could be really, really fun going forward. But uh, final thoughts, Toby, as we wrap up another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip. Man, Lou, Lou Trevino. Um, did, he, did he get the save? save? He blew did it. Did he get it? He blew it. <sighs> or wait, no, and did I, he blow picked, it? No, 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 he didn't. You know, he we came didn't in do. afterwards. You know, what we didn't do, but we'll do it next week because it's already late in the show. We forgot to tell who we had it dropped this week. But I got Danny oh, Jimenez. I got Danny Jimenez in a couple. We weeks. did forget to do it yeah. this week. We'll, we'll, we'll Should we do, do it quickly it. or no? Yeah, let's just do it next week. We've already kind of wrapped this okay. all up. But um, okay. yeah, Danny Jimenez, I spec added him in a couple of leagues. So if somehow you fell into that, that'd be fun. 
But uh, again, 12 teamers where it's like, you know what? I'm just going to churn and burn this roster spot, see what happens, see where we go. But uh, all right, final thoughts. What you got? Um, I hope everybody forgives me for my little league takes. I'm not trying to be mean, um, but just speaking truth. And yeah, good luck, everybody. It's tough out there. It's tough it's in hard. the streets. It's, it's hard. It is hard. It is. It is but um, all I know is keep grinding because I have a long ways to go. But a lot of my teams in the first few weeks was like 10th, 11th place. Now we're moving into like fourth, fifth, sixth place. Like, again, they could drop back to 10th tomorrow. But you can still move pretty quickly is what I'm saying. Like, don't give mm-hmm. up long ways to go. And hopefully we, we can help you guys each and every week. Check out Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I am on Twitter at BDNTrick. This was another episode of Above on the Batflip, episode 123, your week five. Fab recap. Catch you guys next time. Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.